Hello, mamas, and welcome back to episode two in our Feeding Your Babe series. Today, we're talking all about the physiology of breastfeeding. Enjoy. Hey, mama, I'm sending you wonderful pregnancy vibes. It's time for you to guide you through. Let's take some time for you. It's pregnancy with Hello, mamas, and welcome back to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast. Today, we are kicking off episode two in our Feeding Our Babes podcast series with the wonderful Jolene Windus Pay. You can find her over on Instagram at jwp.care. We are chatting today all about the physiology of breastfeeding. Now, remember, this is episode two. So, if you do want to go back and check out episode one, where we chat all about the best ways to prepare yourself for breastfeeding, I do encourage you to do that because there's some real nuggets of gold in that episode. But today, I wanted to dive in to the physiology of breastfeeding. I wanted to talk about how does it all actually work? Because I know for me, I was really clueless when I had my first child. I didn't understand how the latch works, how milk is even made, what supply and demand is. It was really confusing to me. And I needed someone like Jolene to just sit down and give me the really clear basics so that I could understand it. And this is the foundational knowledge I think everyone needs. So in today's episode, we cover how milk is actually made and the hormones responsible for milk production, the importance of skin to skin and regular feeding in those early days. We talk about lactogenesis, which is milk making and the three different stages of that. We talk about supply and demand and how that actually works. And that's really important for people who are pumping as well. I know that can get really overwhelming when you're talking about pumping. We talk about the mechanics of the baby sucking and drawing the milk out of the nipple and the best fit and hold technique you can get for where the nipple and the baby's latch attaches really well. And we also cover the differences between normal discomfort in early feeding versus a bad latch. And this is vital information. I share on the podcast episode today how I experienced a bad latch with my first son. And it's so important that you know the difference between normal and abnormal when it comes to latch pain. So I know you're going to love this episode. There are two more episodes coming up. So definitely make sure that you're subscribed to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so you don't miss them. And a reminder that you can get 15% off Jolene's preparing for breastfeeding guide by using the code Physio Laura. So go to www.jwp.care if you want to check that out. And if you want more support from me, ladies, you know where I live. I'm over in I'm over inside my online program, The Pregnancy Posse. That is where I support thousands of women through weekly workouts, pelvic floor education, preparing them for birth mentally and physically. We we cover every topic, perineal preparation, managing pelvic pain, yoga, meditation. There's a beautiful Q&A forum, community of mamas. If that sounds really appealing to you, I want you to jump over to thepregnancypositive.com and you can trial the program for seven days and you might even get a cheeky little personalized video from me. So I cannot wait to see you inside there. But without further ado, mamas, let's jump into today's episode where we're chatting all about how does breastfeeding actually work. Enjoy. I want women to know a little bit more about what breastfeeding actually involves. So I want to talk about like the 101 physiology of breastfeeding. So this is talking to the women like myself before I had my first baby who have no idea about breastfeeding. They don't understand how a nipple is meant to go in a baby's mouth. What that, I think, what do you call it? The fit and hold? And yeah. hold. They don't know about that. They don't know about what a good latch is versus a bad latch. They don't understand supply and demand, lactogenesis. 
I want to kind of just cover like the basic 101s of breastfeeding. So whether you want to start with the latch, whether you want to start with how milk supply is generated and what supply and demand looks like, you take it away. But I want you just to give us like a little anatomy physiology lesson for those women who are like, yeah, got no idea. So the word lactogenesis that you mentioned, I'll start there because it sort of seems like the beginning in a way. That's sort of the science word for the process of milk being made. And it's got three separate stages. So the first stage is really happening in early pregnancy where your body is actually switched on with the right hormones to actually begin making colostrum. So colostrum being that really early, highly nutritious breast milk for your baby. And once your baby is born and specifically your placenta is born, there's a lot of hormonal change that happens. Your body recognizes it's no longer pregnant and your breastfeeding hormones can really begin to soar and do their thing. So it takes about 30 to 40 hours for your breastfeeding hormones to really get going. And that's when we see the milk supply is starting to increase where that sort of first 24, 48 hours of your baby's life are really important is that you're doing lots of unlimited frequent breastfeeding and lots of skin to skin to really enhance the oxytocin hormone specifically. That is one of the really key hormones involved in milk production. So we want to offer baby a minimum of eight feeds per 24 hours. So roughly is translated to three hourly, but babies don't really work on the clock like that. They might want to have a bit of a snooze in the morning and then decide they're really wanting some snacks in the afternoon. So be prepared for that journey to take you all over that 24-hour period. Yeah. And we'll notice a difference in the baby's behavior when the milk supply starts to increase around that sort of 30 to 40 hour period it can be can take longer for some months and that's still within the realm of normal but typically we see it happening around that day three mark so your baby might be taking larger amounts of milk at the breast so more gulping and swallowing that's something you want the staff to help you recognize what that looks and feels like and it might mean that their sleeps are a little bit deeper and longer as well. And then also we noticed a lot of change in the breasts. So the breasts have hopefully grown a little bit in size during pregnancy and they also continue to grow after your baby's born. So they become fuller, firmer. When the milk is really coming in, that's when the hormones are very high and surging and that's when we get what we call engorgement. So when the breast is very full of blood, full of lymphatic fluid, full of breast milk, and that is a temporary phase which will settle. But I think it's just good to know to expect that and that it can be feel quite uncomfortable and it's okay to manage that with cold and also a bit of pain relief as needed. I remember waking up in the hospital after my first son was born and I was like, Jay, look at this. And I was just in the mirror looking at these ginormous boobs. I'm talking like, I felt like Pamela Anderson, like I'd had breast implants overnight. I thought they were amazing. They were very uncomfortable. I kind of felt like I had to leave my arms out to the side and walk around with this like weird arm pose because if my arms were by my side they were just rubbing on these large boobs but it was amazing I was like oh my gosh my breasts have never looked like this and I honestly wish I'd taken a photo 
because they've never looked like that again. They're quite saggy, quite stretched now. And I'm like, oh, if only they had that perk they used to have. I wish I'd taken a photo, but it's so amazing when you wake up that first day with the engorgement. You're like, whoa, I've never seen this before. It's incredible. I love it. It's a very sudden process, so it can be, yeah, quite overwhelming sensation-wise. And also something to remember is that the breast is very full. The breast tissue is going to be very tight and taut, and we need a little bit of lax in the tissue for the baby to actually massage the breast with their chin and their jaw. So sometimes we need to, we haven't covered it yet, but hand express. So sort of gently squeeze a bit of milk out of the breast to soften up that engorgement. So the three stages of the lactogenesis, so I've covered stage one and two, and then stage three happens around the 10 day mark, which is when the supply and demand really kicks in. So if you've heard the term supply and demand but don't really know what it means, it's that when your baby drinks and empties your breast then or you're, or you're pumping and emptying your breast, there's a little enzyme in your breast and it's called fill, F-I-L, and that tells your brain to make more milk. So when the breast milk is really full in the breast and your baby's not drinking or you're not doing expressing, that message turns to the brain to stop making milk. So if we're getting a regular emptying of the breast, we have a nice smooth milk production. And then if we're not emptying the breast regularly, your body's going to slowly get that message to downregulate the milk supply. So that's essentially how supply and demand works. That's awesome. I think that was something I really struggled to understand before I had my own baby. But then once I had my own experience, I very much understood that. And I remember what I wanted to say before. You mentioned about how eight feeds over a 24-hour window, but that doesn't necessarily look structured and every three hours. And I think that's really important to note because I think women, if they're having babies feeding, feeding, feeding constantly, particularly when you get to that cluster feeding, just knowing that this is all normal and this is your baby's way of regulating your milk supply, I think that's really important. And this was a question I got sent in as well. And I had a little giggle, but then I also thought this is quite um, a real point we need to make is someone said, how do you adapt to breastfeeding on demand when you are traditionally quite a routine structured person and I was just thinking there'd be so many women who really want to go I feed at eight I feed at 12 I feed it and my struggle is particularly in the first couple of weeks when it is really important to feed on demand so I think it's really good that you've just mentioned it so that these women going into it are prepared for it to know that babies aren't robots they're not going to feed just because the time says that's when they should and to just kind of soften and surrender to the breastfeeding on demand because that is such a vital part of establishing good milk supply and really good relationship with your baby and accepting like eventually yes you could probably feed them a little bit more structured but for those first couple of weeks just being able to surrender I think that'd be really important I'm sure you've had many clients who are similar personalities yeah, definitely. I think just the modern lifestyle, we're very in control of everything. Everything's very time focused and it's not very conducive to that soft surrender of motherhood. But I think if we know that there's a purpose 
for the behavior and that it's natural and normal, it helps us ride those waves a little bit more. And the more in tune you become with your baby, the more you'll actually notice their unique patterns starting to emerge. And I find that actually becomes quote unquote the routine because you're, yeah, you're in tune with your baby's needs. You're able to preempt what they need. I think also maintaining a little bit of a flexible approach as well is really important. And then, I mean, you're not just learning to breastfeed, you're learning to be a mother and how, how does that sit? What does my self-care look like when I'm a mom? It doesn't all just go out the window. It's finding ways to adapt and work within those sort of napping windows or can you multitask and do a little bit of self-care while you're breastfeeding? It doesn't just have to be one or the other. Yeah, I think that whole matrescence, if you don't know that word, go and look it up scroll through my podcast archives because I've definitely covered that. But matrescence is a really valuable word to know. It's all about surrendering and leaning into the motherhood transition rather than resisting it and fighting it. It's really powerful language to be aware of. To round this episode up, let's talk about the fit and hold. I want to talk about the latch. I know this could be a real point of pain literally for women. So can you talk about the mechanics of how a baby's mouth and palate and all of that needs to latch onto a nipple for a good latch and maybe what a bad latch might look or feel like too. Yeah, this is a really key point and I do a lot of teaching about this specifically. So I mentioned the words fit and hold earlier and that's some research that's come, Australian research that's come out of Queensland. And Dr. Pamela Douglas has done this research. She's a GP and lactation consultant and I've done ultrasound studies that have actually shown the real true mechanics of breastfeeding. It's actually not what we've originally thought. What this team have discovered is that it's a vacuum that causes your baby to draw the breast tissue deep within the mouth. And then it's that vacuum that actually initiates that milk flow. So historically, um, well, not so historically, but around the 1950s and that very nursing type of model mothercraft model of care it became very the breastfeeding technique became very managed mothers were advised to sit upright and hold the babies very horizontal across their body and actually try and squeeze the breast tissue into their mouth you might have heard like the hamburger technique or the sandwich technique so actually really doing a lot of handling the breast yeah. So this research has actually shown that's not actually necessary and there's an easier way. So what I recommend based on this research is to line your baby's mouth opposite your nipple. So not nose to nipple and actually let your baby use their instincts and senses to suck the nipple into their mouth. As they're sucking the nipple in, it may feel a little uncomfortable at the start where the nipple is being sucked between what we call the, the hard palate, so basically the baby's gums. But give them a chance to take a few more sucks and they actually stretch and pull that, that vacuum of that breast tissue deeper into the mouth. So they actually achieve what we're trying to achieve by doing all this complicated sandwich positioning. They actually can achieve it pretty well if they're left to really, if we're really supporting their instincts. So that's kind of what I, what my approach is with breastfeeding technique. That's really interesting to hear because my son is almost five. So this is five years ago. That's what we were taught, the hamburger hold. So it's obviously new research that's filtering through at the moment. And my experience, I had a cesarean section with him. 
my experience post-birth was that my breast was grabbed and my nipple was kind of pushed and then the baby's head was brought to me. That's all I knew back then. And granted, I did have a small cut with that initial journey, but we had a great breastfeeding journey. So it's not like it ruined it forever. But I guess I look at the difference between then my third child, which was much more instinctual. We didn't do a breast crawl, but I definitely kind of let her find her way as opposed to manipulating my nipple into a certain shape and then shoving her head onto it and hoping it would work. And I didn't really have too many problems with her. Granted, it was a third baby, so my nipples were very much like prepared for it. But it's just really interesting to hear how research changes our practice. And obviously, hamburger hold, like manipulation of breasts is very much not the done thing at the moment, which is really cool to hear because I do think that there's a reason why we're doing it because forcing that versus having the baby do it and the instinctual pattern is obviously better for women's nipples, better for latch, better for less pain and whatnot. A question that was sent in was, how do you know the difference between normal latch discomfort and incorrect latch pain? So have you got any advice around those women going, is this just a normal part of initiating breastfeeding versus no, we need to change what we're doing? That is such a good question. So I like to say if you have pain that is lasting beyond sort of 20 seconds, just sort of to give you a sort of time amount throughout a breastfeed and it's not becoming to feel like a comfortable vacuum on the nipple, then we need to potentially readjust the baby's position. I think that some level of tenderness is going to be normal. You can't get it perfect every single time. You've got to be gentle with yourself and your baby. You're both learning this sort of technique and getting to know each other. But I do also like to say that if a mum has any visible nipple damage that isn't resolving within about 48 hours 72 hours, they need to seek some support with their latch. So you can have a little bit of pain, but we want it to noticeably improve as you feel more confident with your technique and know what you're looking for. So yeah, that's what I generally advise around pain. And I think if you take one thing out of today's podcast episode, it's that because I think it is torturous to try and endure and continue with breastfeeding when you've got nipple pain. I don't know how women do it. To be honest, I've had women come to see me with bleeding, cracked nipples, all sorts of nipple damage who are continuing to push through that. And I had the tiniest, tiniest crack on my nipple with my first son and the pain was through the roof. I had a cesarean section and I would say the pain of the nipple was like 10 times the cesarean section. It was excruciating and I didn't know any better. So I was biting on a towel every time I latched him. And it wasn't until a midwife walked into my room and said, oh, has this been going on this whole time? And I was like, yeah. She said, no, honey, no. If the pain is that bad that you need to bite into a towel, we need to fix something. And I'm so grateful that she said that because I didn't know any better. First time mom, I was just like, oh, I know my nipples need to get used to this. I'd heard of women biting on towels to latch babies before and I just thought it was something I had to put up with. I identified this crack in my nipple. I got the latch better and I got really diligent at removing him off my breast, like removing the suck if it was a bad latch and starting again. And sometimes I'd have to start again like four or five times and then we'd get it and then we were okay after that. But I guess I needed the permission to say, we're going to stop now because this is really sore. You're clearly just on the tip of the nipple and you're not deep enough and it's not going to help me long-term if I just try and put up with it. 
because it's going to continue to damage my nipples. So if that's the one thing you get out of this episode, I think it is to make sure that pain, the difference between normal sort of discomfort and no, this is, this latch is not working. This pain is, I guess what I would call pathological, like it is an injury pain and we need to get on top of that. And like you said, if it's been 48 hours and it hasn't resolved, you need to seek support because that is a really hard thing to continue with if you've got excruciating nipple pain. So I really want to emphasize that point. I also like how you mentioned that process of taking the baby off. I think the really important point there is to not special for a latch or fit and hold that doesn't feel right. And what this research from Queensland is saying is that we can actually use micro movements to move the baby while they're actually breastfeeding and find that better fit and hold. So we don't have to necessarily start from scratch. I find that initial latching moment can be the most intense and cause the most uncomfortable sensation for months. So actually you can just sort of almost tweak your baby's body position to actually think, oh yeah, that does feel a little bit better in that direction. We'll go with that. We'll know that feels worse and then try something different. Yeah, that's really awesome to know. Hey, mamas, I so hope you love that episode and that now it all makes sense to you if you were like me and feeling totally clueless as to how does the actual thing work. <laughs> so I really hope it makes sense to you because now that you have this foundational knowledge, you're going to be able to troubleshoot so much better if problems do arise because you're going to know the difference between normal and abnormal. We can't know what's a problem if we don't know what to expect as normal. So I really hope that's helped to clarify it for you. You're feeling much better about your understanding and knowledge of breast anatomy and lactogenesis and nipple attachment and all of those things. And if it saves even just one of you from getting nipple pain, then oh my gosh, truly that is what it's worth because I've had nipple pain. I've had very mild versions of nipple pain. And I tell you, I would never wish that on my worst enemy. It is just awful. So I really hope you love that episode. Remember, this is episode two of a four-part Feeding Our Babes series. So there's two more episodes coming up where we talk about nutrition and milk supply as well as what if you can't breastfeed? So that episode is dedicated for those women who are really having troubles breastfeeding or are considering ending their breastfeeding journey. I really wanted to dedicate a whole episode to those women. So stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe to the Pregnancy with Physio Laura podcast so that you do not miss out on those episodes. They are going to be fun. And remember, you can find Jolene at jwp.care on Instagram. And you know where to find me at Physio Laura. Please, I love knowing that you listen to the podcast. I love knowing what you get out of the podcast. So please jump on over to my socials. Either comment on this podcast episode post or send me a message and let me know what you've taken out of this episode. I so, so, so love to hear from you. And if you want to be supported by me throughout your pregnancy, if you're on that preparing, getting everything ready <laughs> mindset, I have a wonderful online membership program, The Pregnancy Posse, where I take you through weekly workouts, pelvic floor exercises, yoga, meditation, managing pelvic pain, looking after abdominal separation, making sure that you're really mentally and physically prepared for birth and so much more. So please, if that sounds like something you need, you want support, you want guidance, go on over to thatpregnancyposse.com and you can trial it for seven days. I hope wherever you are, you're having a wonderful day, mamas, and I will talk to you soon.